Thanks for the good music. And good morning to all of you on this uh, beautiful Lord's Day morning. little sense of that cool air out there and the humidity dropping. Today, we are going to pick up on this theme of prayer that we began last week. Uh, last week, we looked at Luke 11, where the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And uh, he gives a form. Uh, Luke gives us a form of the Lord's Prayer. Today, I want to look at the parallel in Matthew that shows up in the midst of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about prayer, and uh, he gives a, uh, a longer uh, form of the Lord's Prayer that uh, we want to consider today. So, the Lord says as he's on the mount teaching the people, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, last week, uh, we just thought about that address, Father, and what that implies as we begin to pray. Uh, today, we want to start looking at these petitions. There are five petitions in this prayer. Some people would say there are six that they would... Uh, that they would take that phrase after the second petition, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They would take that as the sixth one. I think that's really part of, of number two, though. So it gives us a total of five. Uh, if you're interested, here's a way to think about the difference between Luke's shorter form and what Matthew gives us. Uh, the yellow are what we might call the the Matthew editions. So rather than just Father, it's our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name is the same. Your kingdom come. And then the way I understand it is that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is not part of Luke's rendering, that that is a further explanation of what it means to pray for the coming of the kingdom. Third petition, same as Luke. Fourth, same as Luke. The fifth one has the added clause, deliver us from evil or from the evil one, depending how people want to translate it. So, on your own, if you want to, you can lay those side by side and think about uh, the differences. So, this morning, I, I want to start out with a question. The question is, what is prayer about? Now, prayer obviously can be about many things. Think of your own prayers and the way they range over different subjects. So prayer can be a lot of, about a lot of things, but is there a sort of unifying theme? Is there a, is there a center to the, 
target where the, the arrow of prayer needs to strike, what we're aiming for? <clears throat> or is it just uh, random shots? And I think that the answer to that question is pretty clear as we look at the model prayer that Jesus gave to us. And that is that prayer is about the kingdom of God. It's about what we were singing about just a, a few minutes ago, that, uh, that song, Our God Reigns. That's, that's kingdom talk, right? Our God reigns. He rules over all. And that is, as we've said many times before, that's really the heart of the whole ministry of Jesus. When, when he comes into the world, it's especially evident in Matthew and Mark and Luke that he, he's talking all the time about God's kingdom. God reigns. And, uh, and so prayer is about that. That second, that second petition, which Matthew has even expanded for us. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. That's the heart of prayer as far as Jesus conceives of it. Now, I suspect you're like me. I often forget that. I often am tempted to think that prayer is about me, and it's about those immediate concerns that I have. Lord, I need this. I'd like you to do this. Uh, and so on it goes. And it's, it's easy for us in prayer to become very self-focused. Now, certainly prayer touches our lives and includes the concerns that we have. And, and as you follow down through this prayer, you get uh, the third petition is quite personal, right? Give us today our daily bread. But prayer is first and foremost about the kingdom of God. Even the prayer for daily bread fits into the idea of God's kingdom, that God reigns, that he promises to bring his rule upon earth. And that's what Jesus was all about. So he focuses prayer in that way. The kingdom of God is about the union of heaven and earth. Think about that expanded phrase. We're to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. How is the will of God done in heaven? Well, uh, that's pretty easy. It's done perfectly. How is God's will done upon earth? Imperfectly. The union of heaven and earth, the vision of the Bible and the coming of Jesus into the world to be God's king, the Messiah of Israel, the Messiah of all the world, the vision there is 
that the will of God, which is done perfectly in heaven, will be done the same way upon earth. That's the great vision of the future. Imagine what a change that will make. If the will of God were done, up, were done in Souderton, even for a week, the way the will of God is done in heaven. Souderton would be a place you'd really want to live, right? Or how about Philadelphia? If the will of God were done on earth as in heaven. This is the extraordinary hope that the Bible puts before us and that Jesus says, when you pray, this is what you are praying for. Now that, that prayer, though, this is what's interesting about prayer in general and, and the prayer that Jesus gives us. That prayer is a prayer that sucks you in, right? Because how, how can I pray for God's kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it's done in heaven? How can I pray that without immediately thinking, how is that impacting my life? God, what is your will this day as I'm praying? What's your will in regard to me? How can I reflect the obedience of heaven in the life of Dave Dunbar? What, what do you want to do today? Because this, this is what I've been drawn into as a follower of Jesus. God, may your kingdom come and may heaven and earth touch. In my, in my life, in my community, in my world, And that's related to the first petition, which is the exalting of God's name. I think almost all the, the English versions keep the old language. Hallowed be your name. Most of us, uh, I suspect, don't think much about hallowing, and, and if we did, we're not quite sure what it means. The, uh, the Greek word behind hallowing is the same word that uh, gives us the, the various words for holiness, or the theological word sanctification. And it's the idea of, of putting something in a special place. So the hallowing of God's name that we pray for, and we pray for God to do this. God, may you hallow your name. 
is a prayer that God's name, and then we take a minute to say, well, what do we mean by God's name? And in Scripture, God's name clearly refers to God's character and to his actions. So think about this. We pray, God, Father, please act in such a way that your character and your actions might be set apart, might be sanctified, might be regarded as holy. And I've taken that word to point to this idea of exalting, lifting up, magnifying, making great. God, will you make your character great before the eyes of all the world. May you be honored. Now once again, this prayer sucks you in, doesn't it? You can, you can just recite the Lord's Prayer. You know, it's not a, there's many believers who will recite this prayer morning and evening. That's, that's not a bad idea, to be reminded of the shape of prayer. But, of course, the danger of that is that it can be just a rote sort of thing that, that I rip off very quickly without thinking about what it means. And so, uh, and so what I want to do as, uh, as I pray that prayer, I want to let it draw me in in a reflective way to what Jesus wants me to learn. He wants to teach me how to pray, and so I've got to be open and responsive to that. So I start out, Father, may your name, may you cause your name, your character to be manifested and exalted and praised in the world. Once again, it pulls me in, see, because now I have to, I have to begin thinking about what does it mean for God's name, his character, to be praised by me? What do I praise? Well, God, I praise your name. All right, but maybe get a little more specific than that, huh? And that's where we begin to reflect, and this is where we are helped especially by the Word of God. So I don't know if you have a a daily time when you uh, have what many people call devotions, but but time in prayer and time in the Word of God on a daily basis is incredibly important for your spiritual health. Many Christians feel that their days are too busy to do that. And, 
And that's sad. Now suppose, suppose then you haven't been doing that, or you don't do it regularly, but you'd, you'd really like to, uh, then I encourage you to consider taking a passage of Scripture. It doesn't have to be a long passage. And uh, maybe you only feel you can, you can get uh, five or ten minutes. Well, five or ten minutes is better than none. So read a verse or read a couple verses. You might want to read... The Psalms, every week we choose a Psalm. This week it's Psalm 110. So you could read Psalm 110. It's quite short. You could read it in a minute. And you could say, Lord, would you point out something here for me to think about today so that I could exalt your name? This is not rocket science. It's very basic. But we learn then to exalt God's name. So, you know, this morning we, in prayer, we talked about Psalm 110, verse 1, and then skipped down to verse 4. Verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And the New Testament looks that, at that as a messianic promise, a promise that when David's son shows up, as he ultimately did in Jesus, when, when the messianic son shows up, he is going to be something that was unusual in Israel's history. Because in their history, kings couldn't be priests and priests couldn't be kings. But this is talking about a king priest. And so this morning we focused on that promise. You're a priest forever. But see, if you were to take the week and just read through this psalm, you might stop at the, the first half of Psalm 110.4. You might stop at this phrase. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. And as you think about what Jesus says in prayer, that we're to pray for the exalting of God's name, you begin to realize, maybe, maybe you're halfway through the week and this begins to dawn on you, that this is a revelation of part of God's name, his character. What is he like? He is the one who makes promises and he never goes back on them. Elsewhere, the Bible calls that his faithfulness, his reliability. The Lord has sworn he will not change his mind. The Old Testament closes with that very note. Uh, the prophet Malachi, speaking for the Lord, says, I am the Lord, I do not change. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ, our King, is the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever. 
And so what you're doing, you see, is you're opening up your heart and your mind to the Word of God. And the Word of God turns you back to the character of God, the name of God. And so you're thinking about that, and then as you pray, you pray, God, I give you thanks for all your promises, that they never fail, that you never change your mind, that you are absolutely trustworthy. You could even take longer. See, this can happen during the day. We're encouraged to be people who are continually in prayer. How do you do that? Well, you do it in part by taking some of these scriptural thoughts with you through the day and you find that your mind begins to circle back. And when it does, you say... Thank you. Maybe the Holy Spirit calls to your mind a particular way that God has made promises to you and you've seen a promise fulfilled. You've seen him do exactly the kind of things that he says he will do. And, and because you are thinking about his name, in this case, you're thinking about the fact that he gives his word and he doesn't change his mind, something triggers in your mind a particular situation and it expands. It, it begins to fill your heart and mind. And you end up being, among other things, a more thankful person. What is prayer about? Well, it's about the kingdom of God, and it's, it's about the exalting of God's name. Next week, we're going to look at the, those next three uh, petitions. But uh, just quickly, let's ask another question. What, what happens when you pray? Well, part of what happens is that we begin to change when we pray. Prayer changes us. We're going to have to talk further about what prayer does beyond changing us. But it certainly has that effect of <clears throat> changing us. So when we pray, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> what we find is that there is this invitation we begin to sense of our surrender to God's king. That's, that's when we're, shall we say, really praying. It's not just abstract. It's not, it's not just a prayer saying, God, will you straighten out those people that are such a pain in the neck? Will your will be done in their lives? No, it's God, will your will be done in our world, in my world, in my life? That's what the prayer says. Your will be done. Remember, that's the prayer that Jesus prayed right at the end in the garden, wasn't it? Not my will, but yours be done. 
He prayed that for himself. He doesn't ask us to do or to pray anything that he has not prayed and done himself. And as we pray and surrender to God's king, then we begin to partner with God's program. There's the picture we've looked at many times. The invitation to the divine human partnership. This is what God desires from the beginning of creation. That there would be people who would reign with him. Genesis chapter 1. Let them be fruitful and multiply and let them rule. That's kingdom. Right from the beginning, God's intention was that there should be these little human kings and queens. Like the, like the children in Narnia, right? In the land of Aslan. Who rule with him. That's God's will for you and for me. And it's in prayer. In the midst of this world in rebellion. It's in prayer that you and I begin to partner with God's program. We begin to rule with him. In little ways, as the picture suggests. Little but real. Real ways. Remember the definition of prayer that we... Uh, gave last week. Prayer is conversation with God through which we experience his transforming friendship. The little guy in the picture is learning about friendship with his father, right? We experience his transforming friendship and partner with him in the work of his kingdom. Yes. There's a building project going on. The building project is that earth will be like heaven, that they will be united. And in prayer, I partner with God. And that means in prayer, I begin to learn how to see the kingdom of God coming. Prayer develops my spiritual vision. I'm, I wish I had, had learned this sooner than I did. I'm still, I'm still learning this. To begin to pray specifically about what I'm doing and what God is doing around me, I find that the, the more I can do that and the more specific I become, the more places I begin to see, ah, that looks like God at work. In, in surprising ways, many times in small ways, but, but I begin to see that. And once again, that, that sucks me into this prayer. Those are all things that happen when we pray. So, here's our concluding questions for this week. Do you pray? I, I don't, 
I don't mean that as a, a guilt question, right? Because half the books on prayer make me feel guilty. Do you, do you find that? Uh, it's not a guilt question. It's just the reality is that we live in at a frantic pace, and it's just not uncommon to go through a day and say to yourself, I just don't have time to pray. I like this idea, Dave, of slowing down a little bit and reflecting upon the character of God and allowing that to shape my prayers. But the fact is, I just can't seem to get that time. Well, we're asking, as the disciples did, Lord, teach us to pray. So, uh, Probably for all of us, this is going to involve some changes that he wants to bring about in our lives. So, do you pray? I mean, even, even five minutes. And does the Lord's Prayer shape how you pray and what you think about? Specifically, do you pray for God's character to be revealed and for his kingdom to come? <clears throat> do you sense how that can, does, and will draw you in to what God is doing. And if so, then, are you developing a kingdom of vision? By that I mean, are you seeing how God's kingdom is coming gradually but genuinely in your life, in the lives of those around you. Lord, teach us to pray. Let's pray. We thank you, God, for this instruction that Jesus gave us. Our Notions of prayer and what to say and what it means get off track easily enough and, and we'd be really deep in the woods without this instruction. We ask that through our meditation on these petitions, on our opportunities during the week, during the day, to seek you, to listen to your word. We pray that you would instruct us and you would deepen our prayer lives, that we might be those who participate in the coming of your kingdom, that we might see you at work in and around us, Lord, for Jesus' sake. We ask these things. Amen.